How are you guys doing? Excellent. So this is what you really came to see, right? Inside the minds of some fantastic CMOs. So uh, first question, easy one, right? Strategic priorities for 2018. What is top of mind at each of your companies? So Gene, we'll start off with you. How to do more with less. How to grow a business with a reduced budget. We're all trying to do that, right? <laughs> Christine? Uh, we're really focused on a lot of the content that was just discussed in the last presentation. So leveraging digitization, di digitization for scale, uh, but with that personalization and that human element. So that's our focus for the year. Okay. And then for us, um, there's actually three main things, and I'll try to keep it brief, um, just because we don't have a lot of time. So the first thing is driving revenue and ROI through demand transformation. And what I really mean by that is uh, contextual interactions interactive content, machine learning, um, and really switching from a inside out to an outside in. So a very buyer-centric mentality. Uh, second, um, which something uh, that she just mentioned, which is, Christine mentioned, which is about how do we re-engineer for scale? So we're looking to enter new international markets, new industries. So how do we do that effectively and efficiently? And that's really thinking about process, people, the technology infrastructure, and then data and analytics. And then the third piece is really about the customer experience. And the one point I'd like to make about that where we're really focused on is it's beyond just marketing. So yes, customer experience on the website, very critical across channels, but it's marketing, product, sales, and service. So looking across, what, are our, what does our packaging look like? What does our purchase process look like? What are our poli customer policies? So we're rethinking all of those things. It's a great segue. So there's a lot of talk over the last couple of years about customer experience, uh, account-based marketing. What percentage of your budget, your activities, your technology is now geared towards more of a full life cycle approach versus just top of the funnel and acquisition? Okay, I, I don't really believe in the funnel per se because typically marketing is just at the top and then they hand it off to sales. What I like to do is look at it on a horizontal basis that sales and marketing touch every single aspect of the customer journey and then flow it back. One of the challenges I'm faced with is it's an older technology company that's been around for 26, 27 years in a declining market. And, and so they're mostly focused on EBITDA and that becomes because we're, we, we print cash essentially. But they want more of that and so my budget has been so how do I work closely aligning with sales to make sure that we're not wasting a dollar, we're not siloed, and that we're able to do the one plus one equals three? So bottom line is a, is a little bit unique in that we have five distinct lines of business. And each of those lines of business operates very differently. So we have some businesses that are like the Lego business example, where they're high transaction, low dollar value, mass scale. And that needs a whole set of marketing techniques and tactics associated with it. And then we have the really high-end tier one part of our business, which is literally 60 banks. And so in terms of budget and resource allocation, I'd say the budget goes more toward the tier three end of the market, because when you're working with such a finite universe at the top tier, it's more human power and research and that customized approach than it is throwing a big budget at it. So most of our budget, I'd say 80% is at the mass scale side of uh, our programs, and then 20% is more at the, the top tier account-based marketing stuff. 
So for us, um, we're in the field service and last mile logistics space uh, in software. And um, our market is very unique in terms of, everyone talks about social, but our, our buyers are extremely community oriented. So they all hang out together, even competitors. Um, they're all very tight, they're friends for you know, decades, if not years. <laughs> and so everything that we do, I'd say 100% focuses on customer experience. Um, and what we do is, and similar to Christine, where we have the segmentation, where if you think about the marketing machine, and we have the mandate from the executive team that we know if we want to double or triple in size, which is what our goal is, that it's really got to be marketing-led. So we're very fortunate compared to some other organizations where you know, it's sales-driven or it's product-driven. Um, we're really charged and given the mandate to actually transform business and, and scale it. So that's really, once again, looking across everything that we do on the marketing side, product, sales, service, and coordinating across all those groups. So uh, we've all known the explosion of MarTech over the, the last few years. There's what, almost 6,000 now, I think. Uh, we'll probably see the, the landscape soon. Just curious, what, strategically, how are you approaching technology in your organization? What are you investing in, and what are you de-investing in? Oh, great. Uh, I, I joined Dipswitch about <clears throat> 15 months ago, inheriting a, um, a lot of challenges. Absolutely no one in the company knew what they had for a tech stack. They didn't know what we were paying for. Um, so I had to go through with the accounting department and find out everything that we were paying for and ask in the entire marketing department, what are we using, what are we not using? And it was amazing that we were paying for things that nobody was using. And then we had things that nobody knew what the login was or the password or something. And just trying to kind of centralize on, well, how much are we spending? And now reviewing that on a quarterly basis. I know I, I keep talking about budgets, but it's top of mind with me right now because, you know, here we are in the Q1 and we're doing well, but I had to pull a lot of back half dollars to front half in order to front load it. And now I'm all worried about 2019. And here we are on February 21st. And I'm thinking about 2019. So strategically, our organization went from two instances of legacy Salesforce, two instances of legacy Marketo, two instances of uh, partner portals, and Scribe talking to it. And we centralized, thankfully, with the Pedowitz Group. And it took over a year to get all these things centralized and then just trying to get the reporting to work. Now, you would say that normally this would be a marketing expense, right? Oh, no, no, no. This is IT driven. So therein lies the fun fest. So this is something that we can talk about at another time. But those are the challenges that we're faced with. We're pretty fortunate in that uh, IT is pretty hands-off with marketing. <laughs> so we've been, able, be. we've been able to control our own destiny largely. And um, in fact, I made it a condition upon my hiring with our CEO, <laughs> swear to God, that he, he signed in writing that we could implement Marketo in the first six months or I wasn't going to join. Because there was no point in me showing up right. trying to turn marketing from a cost center to a profit center right. and not have the tools I needed to do my job. So first order of business when I joined Bottomline three years ago was marketing automation and getting that closed loop reporting in place. We set a timeline of 18 months to turn marketing from a cost center to a profit center. And then we started looking at enhanced technologies. And I was actually feeling really bad about myself. Um, this past summer, I was beating up on my team pretty hard saying, you know, we're not cutting edge anymore. We're not out looking at the latest and greatest technology. We've become stagnant. What are the new tools we should be looking at? How do we get that scale on that cutting edge with no incremental budget and headcount coming? 
And we went to the MarTech conference in Boston, um, and it made me feel much better about myself and my team, because one of the main themes at the MarTech conference in Boston, which is a great event, if you guys have the opportunity to go, there's one on the East Coast and West Coast, um, the, one of the main themes was that the average company of our size has over 40 applications in their MarTech stack, but they see value in less than six. When you think about the tremendous expense, not just the dollars that go out, but the effort to implement all those tools, we've got 40 people globally on my marketing team with 40 <laughs> apps. I couldn't even imagine the, the time and effort it would take to manage that. So we've got a really lean MarTech stack. It's Marketo. We're now playing around with SendBloom. We have our own predictive analytics uh, tool internally that we use, but I like it that way and I feel better about not having 40 applications to look after. Right. <laughs> so I've, I've been in the company about eight months, and um, we had some, some fundamental things in place, like Marketo and Salesforce, um, though we weren't very mature in the way that we were using them, so it's still a lot of manual processes. Uh, so we as, we, as we build up a plan for not just this coming year, but the next five years, we started looking and saying, okay, well, what, let's fix the fundamentals and really let's take it to the next level. There's so many different things that we could be taking advantage of. Um, so the first thing is um, we went, we're going from a static site to a personalized CMS system. Um, so we're just in the final stages of that. So that's gonna be fundamental and that's gonna change a lot of things. Um, one thing that we do that's gonna help us from a content and a channel strategy perspective is a company called Synthesio, um, which does media monitoring and integrates with Marketo and Salesforce. And it, it actually builds profiles. So even from a B2B perspective, you know, okay, well, my typical buyer at these particular accounts, this is what their demographic is, this is where they go for information, this is what they talk about, all of that. And it's built in, and you can actually load those lists into Marketo and Salesforce. Um, so that's the second thing. Um, everything that we do, by the way, is integrated in approach, so, so to avoid uh, some of those things where you have a disconnected experience. Um, the third thing that we're uh, looking at is um, project management software, so we're implementing that, and that's really critical for us because we not only sell software, but we actually have an agency where we actually market on our client's behalf. So we actually have an internal agency, so we have to keep track of hours and things like that, so it's very important from a collaboration perspective to have that in place. Once again, it integrates with Salesforce, um, so we were implementing that. Um, a third thing is machine learning. Um, so when you think of chatbots and, and some of those things, um, automation in terms of advertising, all of that we're implementing. And the final piece is a video platform um, from an interactive content perspective. Excellent. You guys are packing it in. We're getting a lot of good stuff. Uh, let's shift gears to people. So uh, each of you now have been at several companies over the years. You've been CMO several times over. What's changing now in 2018? Uh, wh who are you hiring for? How are you building out your organizations? Are you organizing the teams differently than you did, say, five or 10 years ago? And, and what do you look for in a potential new hire? That's a big question. Um, I kind of look at team building as a Sudoku game. And I like to be able to give my team the opportunity to be successful in a variety of ways. I don't like to hire one person for one slot. I'd like them to be able to move to a different area and help them grow even if it hurts them a little bit because in the long term, it works out. I mean, over my career, I, I, in my, my legacy is I have six CMOs and eight vice presidents, and I mentor a number of um, team members that either came on board as interns or younger team members. What I look for is somebody that's willing to learn. Uh, that's really what I want because it, and, and I like it when 
a team member is willing to have a number on their head. I have a number on my head, and, and by that I mean I'm attached to revenue. And because I'm attached to revenue and I'm also attached to profitability, I think it's important for my team to understand that, that that's what we're here for. And, and trying to get them to understand the alignment between sales and marketing. And sometimes people have, younger people sometimes have more difficulty understanding what their roles are in conjunction with revenue. And, not understanding that it's just not a pretty design or a, a nice web page or something like that, but everything that we're doing is, is part of a process, a workflow. And I think that's, that's the biggest challenge, trying to find people that are willing to uh, own a number. Uh, <clears throat> so we, so similarly, our, my whole team is tied to bookings, revenue and profitability. So. What we do is every single person on the team, whether you're in a purely creative role, whether you're in an administrative function, or you're on my senior leadership team, everybody understands exactly how their role rolls up to support that overall number. So I feel like in doing that, we have really good alignment within the team. We don't have, um, we don't have a lot of just politics and fighting because everybody has a very clear path to what they do every single day and how it ultimately supports the goal of the team, which is the goal of the company. Um, but in terms of hiring, you know, the job market is, is hot right now. So we're looking for, oh, shameless plug, <laughs> VP of digital strategy, anybody? Um, and I've interviewed over 45 candidates. And part of the challenge, I think, for me is that it's not so much about the skill set, it's passion, it's fire in the belly. You know, people, especially more junior roles, we've got a strong leadership team, we can teach them the ropes of marketing, that they can learn. Um, but that passion, the fire in the belly, the curiosity, you just can't teach that. People either have it or they don't, I call it grit. Um, if you've seen a, the TED Talk, Grit by Angela Duckworth, it's, it's fantastic TED Talk, and it's just this intangible combination of passion, intellectual curiosity, and perseverance. Um, and when you find it in somebody, it's, it's magic. All right, so uh, we, we also have revenue and ROI targets, so it's a trifecta across the, uh, the panel here. Uh, so I, one thing that, before I answer that question, is our, our philosophy is an agile marketing methodology. So based on the analytics, um, even though we're B2B, we run almost more as a B2C marketing organization where we're driving, using analytics to drive the strategy every single week. So what that requires is a very democratized process. So I look for three key things, and I think it's, it's very different now than, than, much, much different than even five years ago or three years ago. So the, I look for marketing athletes, and that's where every single person in the department, I don't care if you're in communications or you're in solutions marketing or demand gen uh, operations, there's really three things that you need to have. One is content. Um, and the ability to produce content. And no matter what your role is, even, even our dev team is expected to be able to talk about in some way or communicate in some way about um, technology. Um, analytics, and to be able to use that for data-driven decision-making. And then the third piece is, is the technology aspect and being very comfortable in using different types of technology across the board. So even somebody in solutions marketing, they're in Marketo. You know, um, we have multiple people in Marketo who are getting certified. Um, when we look at Synthesio, that tool that I talked about earlier, Every single person in the team has access to that tool and is using that tool in their day-to-day. -day. So if you can't do those three things, and as we're recruiting in, it's really changed and raised the bar in terms of the type of caliber of individuals we're looking for. So just curious, show of hands, how many of you are accountable for revenue? That's awesome. 
That's awesome. That's great. That's about 77%. About yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going to ask the same question again next year, but it's going to go up even more. So uh, one thing that you want to stop doing in your team and one thing that you want to start doing. Well, that's a trick question, Jeff. You did. <laughs> One thing I wanted. You got something, Christine? Oh. Maybe, maybe Ken does. Let's start with Ken. Oh. <laughs> reverse order. Reverse it. OK. Um, reverse order. All right. Um, so I would say the one thing that we need to stop doing, and, and this is something that I just see as a bad habit in general and, um, when I came into the company, and in uh, prior stops too, it's not about being, it's not activity-based. It's about impact. So in your roles, thinking strategically about every single day, what's important now? What is the priority? And really thinking through. So I think that's the thing that we would stop doing in terms of just, it's not about like, okay, you're busy, busy, busy. I don't care if how busy you are per se in terms of output. It's about what is the impact. So I think it's just shift in mindset for the team and being proactive and strategic versus reactive. Um, so I think that's a stop. Um, a start um, would be, um, thinking more holistically, and I talked about operational focus, and that's one thing that I'm looking for from the team is, what are you doing within your particular role, and then what impact across all of marketing is that having? What impact across sales and service and product should you be thinking about as you implement this strategy? So if you're not thinking about that, then we're not gonna get that impact that we're looking for. So in terms of what would we stop doing <clears throat> We analyze our results and KPIs pretty much consistently on a very, very regular basis. So if we see something that's not performing the way we expect it to, we either tweak it or we stop it and, and we adjust and optimize. So there really isn't anything that I can think of that as a marketing department we are doing that I'd say just categorically, <laughs> let's stop that because it's a constant feeding and caring cycle. In terms of what I'd like to see us start doing and this is part of the digital transformation. Everybody on the team needs to be a digital expert. Everybody on our team needs to embrace SEO, SEM, understand how to create content for voice search, as an example. And so as a team, a big shift for us is to have everybody become that digital expert. So everybody needs to start acting like that. Okay. So back to me again. And, uh, I guess what I, I guess, Jeff, I'm going to take this on a personal level. Uh, we went through a huge organizational restructure, which has been a little unsettling. Um, in Q4, after missing four revenue quarters and EBITDA quarters in a row, uh, the founder of the company, who is 100% owner, 26 years, the whole thing, came into one of our executive team meetings, and I'd never met the man. I mean, I'd been there for almost a year, and I'd never, I didn't even know who he was, essentially. And so this was this guy sitting at the end of the table, and he said, I've let the CEO go, I've let the chief revenue officer go, I've let the head of EMEA sales go, I've let the head of North American sales, and I'm just sitting there going, oh my God. Are you the okay. only one left? <laughs> no. Well, it was like all revenue related, which made perfect sense, but I, you, you're just kind of sitting there going, okay, well, I did not see this coming, and what does this mean to me? And so the organization, Q4, 
in addition to all these integrations of the various technology platforms, you know, you're just trying to find your footing. You know, you kind of feel like you're in the ocean a little bit and trying to, the, and it's going, the tide's going out, and are you getting, getting caught by a riptide? And um, so we had a new CFO had come on board in July, and so Roger, the founder, named him the interim CEO. Nice guy, great guy, everything. And so, okay, this guy's been here for a couple of months, and so you got to spend all this time kind of educating him about the business. And then on Thursday of this past week, Roger came in again to another executive. Mind you, we've had three board meetings in three months, and Roger came in and said, well, Kevin's not going to be the CEO now. Now it's going to be Michael. And, and Michael was, is in charge of sales, another nice guy, but you're like, okay, now he's not my peer, now he's my boss. And so on a personal level, I'm notorious for eyeball rolling. Um, <laughs> and uh, my dad, my dad's birthday is today, by the way, and uh, I, I, I think of him often, you know, it's his birthday, and I'm going to call him later. And when I was a kid, every time that I would eyeball roll, which I did frequently, and when you're 12, it's one thing, and your father can get very furious with you. But when you're 42 or 52 or something and you're eyeball rolling in an executive meeting, you're just trying to figure out what are the next steps. So what will I stop doing? I'll invoke my father and stop eyeball rolling. And, okay. and because I just don't know what the next thing's going to be. It's like, what's the next big surprise? Because it's, if it's a surprise to me, it's a surprise to the team. It's a surprise to the entire organization. And I get a lot of calls from people going, what does this mean? I'm like you know, darned if I know. So the thing I'm going to start doing is being very, uh, I, I am a natural cheerleader. I was a high school cheerleader, only because my voice carries for miles and miles, but um, not because I'm petite at all. <laughs> and uh, and I, I'm going to just be more positive. I'm just, that's what I'm going to start doing, Jeff. I'm just going to try to stop eyeball rolling and be more positive. All right, let's give it up for Gene. All right, all right. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, show of hands, so how many of you are a CMO, VP of Marketing, executive? Okay. How many of you want to be? <laughs> Maybe not so much after this story. <laughs> so, I'm curious, um, what advice would you give people that are, want to move up into the executive ranks, so the lessons learned as executives? What, what, what words of wisdom would you impart to this crowd? Mr. Ken, we'll start with you. Again? <laughs> Through the short straw. I, uh, so, uh, well, number one, I think uh, it's really about determination uh, in that, you know, there's been, you know, I'm a firm believer that you learn from your uh, mistakes. And the only way that you're going to get ahead, and I always preach this to my team, is if you're not testing and you're not trying new things and failing, then you're not learning, you're not growing, you're not helping us. Um, and so I think there's been many situations where you try things and this initiative um, you know, fails, this, this one does great, but I always think of an investment portfolio. You know? So you've got your portfolio of investments, some are gonna do great, some are gonna be some losers, and then you're gonna have some that are okay, but as long as your winners outperform your losers, you're okay. And so it's really about taking calculated risks. So I think that's the first thing. I think also having courage um, and, and being, not being afraid to get out of your comfort zone. Um, moving from function to function, I mean, there were cases where somebody, when I was at IBM, for example, um, I was in product marketing, and uh, somebody came to me and said, Ken, you know, we really need somebody to lead digital, and we're starting this new partner program. 
Uh, and, and so I said to her, well, you know, I've, I haven't really done it before. And she said, well, I know you can do it. Um, you have an information systems and a marketing background. And she took a chance on me and believed in me. And, and, uh, and so, you know, but I took that chance. And, and sure enough, she was right. And I was able to do it and do it successfully. So I think that's where the second thing. And I think the third thing is rely on your network. Um, and, you know, being at an event like this is obviously great. A lot of people know each other. Um, you know, Jeff and I have talked before. Uh, it's, um, and so I think when I say that, it's, it's really about people helping you grow and mentor you. Um, and so looking for somebody more senior or outside your business who can help you grow your skill set. I would say <clears throat> the most important thing to remember every single day is be a business person first and a marketer second. And what I mean by that is, yes, we all have to have the skills to develop great content and understand digital channels and understand buyer personas and understand closed loop ROI. That's kind of core to the job. But very few marketing people, marketing CMOs, even at VP levels, earn a seat at the revenue table. And that's where you're a game changer. When you've earned a seat at the revenue table, you're focusing on company strategy. You're focused on strategic growth initiatives, not the next campaign. And I, for one, would rather be focusing on the strategic growth objectives of the company than worrying about the next campaign that's going out the door. And so the thing I repeat to my team on every team call is business person first, marketer second. I'd say the second thing is deliver results. <clears throat> results are how you're going to earn credibility. I knew when I started at Bottom Line, we never had a marketing department before. And so in order to gain the credibility of my peers at that revenue table, I had to deliver results. There was no other option. So I made sacrifices along the way. I didn't focus on our website. I didn't focus on PR. I had to focus right away on proving that marketing could be a profitable center, not a cost center. And so that was my linear focus for the first 18 months. And that leads to my third point, which is once you've delivered those results, have swagger. You know, as marketers, <laughs> we're, we're no longer the group that gets our ass kicked by sales on a regular basis. Like, that's great. We are strategic partners to the, to the business. We're strategic partners of sales. Have swagger. You know, put up those results with pride. Every single person in this room should be so proud to be sitting in this room with your peers. I mean, you look around this room, this event has grown just skyrocketed from an attendance perspective, and it's because we're, we're now a, a game-changing function in the companies that we work for. That's huge. So be proud and have swagger. So Christine, don't you think everybody's a marketer? I mean, isn't your CFO like, because you're going to go to your CFO and say, hey, I feel like closing the books this month, right? But they have no problem telling you what the messaging is or your head of product saying, I'm looking for this and I can't find this on Google, so what's wrong with you? True story. <laughs> Our CEO calls himself the chief editing officer. Oh, so yeah, every word. Gotta love red a comma. Pen. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to get a little bit more granular. Um, the one thing that you really need to remember is the way that you leave a job is infinitely more important than the way you start a job. When you start a job, you have the passion that Christine talked about. You have the skills that Ken talked about. You're going to be okay. You're going to have a 100-day plan. You're there because you were wanted. But when you leave because of one reason or another, it's your manager, you don't have a growth opportunity, there's maybe a fantastic uh, chance for you to go to a new company, make sure that you leave at the highest possible level. Make sure that you thank everybody that you worked with. Make sure that you, you 
you thank people via LinkedIn, via um, references, or um, what am I thinking of, the recommendations and that sort of thing. That becomes so, so important because years from now, people are going to remember how you left. They're going to remember that. And the second thing is, join Toastmasters or take a Dale Carnegie course. Because the way that you present at company meetings, you're going to be in front of the organization as the marketing person. You're going to be representing them at a chamber of commerce. You're going to have a chance to be able to speak in an event like this. And you need to feel comfortable that what you have has value. Feeling the passion, what Christine talked about, having the swagger, being able to know that you know what you're talking about. So just remember, you're in a great organization where you're working right now. I suggest that you connect as many as people as you can in this room via LinkedIn. Andrew's great. Sal is great. Everybody on this team is fantastic. Jeff's a good guy to know. He's a really good guy to know. I, I've, I've known you, Jeff, for 11 years, right? Longer than that. Longer, yeah. longer than that. So I went to his very first event when you were with Eloqua, and he, uh, it was an event that I was working at Symmetricom in San Jose. And I, I went to that, that event in a big, thick binder. It was great. And then you went, when I was with Marketing Sherpa and Marketing Experiments, you came there and, and you, your whole business started that way. It's been great. And this is how you get to know people. So the person you're sitting next to that you don't know, connect with them on LinkedIn because you're going to see them again. Yeah, so let's do that right now. Let's just turn to your person to the left, <laughs> turn to the person right. Now, come on, seriously. Yeah, I gotta go say hello. You never know. You never <laughs> know. <laughs> very small world. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> like a school teacher. But ring a bell. Probably didn't think that one all the way through. <laughs> Andrew. All right, okay, okay. See, now you guys can continue this in the networking break. You've right. now met, all met two new friends. Um, all right, so we have 30 seconds left. Closing thoughts. Ken. Um, no, I would actually echo what Christine says in terms of the passion and, and, and really talk about going forward. We are at the cusp of, I think, is going to be just a fundamental change in, in marketing in terms of our ability to make an impact operationally on the business. Um, the statistics are showing it. Marketer CMOs are now moving into GM roles as their, next, as their next step or CEO roles. And I think if you look at things from a business perspective and driving impact um, and really think more holistically about what you're doing every day and how you can transform the customer experience, try to drive revenue and improve profitability, um, we're on exciting journey over the next you know, decade for sure. Um, and when you think about artificial, artificial intelligence, augmented reality, all of those things that are, that are, that are here um, and only going to continue to grow and proliferate, um, it's just a great time to be in marketing. All right. I think we're at time. Yeah. But thank you, guys. <laughs> okay. Excellent. A lot of content. Give it up for these guys. Thanks.